Good morning again. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. Oh, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Are we good? Good crowd today. What's going on? Y'all got up? What's the, what's the deal? It's good to be together, though. Uh, and uh, if you're first time here, my name's Tim, and I'm one of the guys that talks up here on Sunday mornings. And it's good to have you with us. I would like all those that have served in our armed forces to please stand, if you would, just a second. If you've served in the military in some way, look at that. Thank God. All right. I really appreciate that. I think about uh, uh, when I was a young man as a kid, Vietnam was going on. And there were men that um, fought so I didn't. I could be safe, and then when I became of age, well, the war was over, and we went through a long time where there was no no draft or anything, and then now I'm, I was too old to serve, here comes you young men along, and you you protect me now, and I just uh, want to say, turn to, you know, make sure you thank them, if you can't now, thank them sometime today for the service of these brave men and women, uh, it matters a lot in our country. Uh, we're in a series called This Is Us. We've been looking at the church, the kind of church that God or Jesus wants to build. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in having the church that Jesus wants. If you look up here on the screen, here's a passage. And it says simply here, Jesus said, I will build my congregation and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, what's he talking about? He says, I'm going to build my church. I have a plan like any project. He has a blueprint, he has an idea, he has a concept in his mind. He has certain things his church, he wants it to be. Certain values he wants this church to have. And so we've been looking at that. We've been looking at things like Jesus wants a group of people that worship him. Not just together. And by the way, Andy and the worship team, you know, Alan's home recuperating from surgery. And you guys did a fabulous job this morning. I'm not, I'm not schmoozing you. Very nice job. Uh, good worship this morning, yeah. And, um, and God, but God wants us to worship Him and not just sing and pray, but but also live a, a life that reflects a sacrificial life and, and uh, worship to God. Um, I, I, I was uh, I, I watched Joe Rogan. You can talk to me later if you want. I don't appreciate his profanity, but man, I tell you what, he has some interesting people, and he had Hulk Hogan on one of his podcasts. And Hulk Hogan had invited him to church. And here's Joe Rogan, who I don't know where he stands with the Lord and what, what his ideals are. But one of the things he said was he was so impressed when he went to church with Hulk Hogan. He said, I don't know what it is, but a lot of people together in the same room all after the same thing. It's so encouraging. And I thought, isn't that true? And it is, it's profound to see people together and when we're worshiping God, when we come together on Sundays or we're in, in, involved with each other in groups or doing things together and we have this this uh, just this aura of worship to God, it just has to please Jesus to see that when two or more are gathered like that. He's in there too. He wants to be involved in it as well. He wants a, he wants a church not only to worship, but he also wants a church to take their membership seriously. And we had... Uh, I believe Gary talked about membership and did a great job of explaining this is what it means to be a member. And what we're really what we want you to know and we want this you know you if you're going to be a member of a church you'd like to know well what's expected. And and that's something that we're we're learning to lift up because if when it's clear you have better commitment. You know Jesus said this, my family 
are not just my mom and my brothers and sisters in my home, but those that do the will of God. And so we share that common, that common thread, that common connection. We're all, we have one father, and so we're brothers and sisters. This is God's family. And Jesus wants us to be a family. I know we're not a perfect family. What family is? I know I can think of a few that kind of borderline on perfect, but they got their problems like anyone else. And by the way, we have nothing to worry about when it comes to perfection around here. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, we're a mess. And so we're a messy family. And uh, but, that, but that's what families are. They get a little messy sometimes. But, but they're connected in, uh, in a profound and special way. And then he wants a church that serves. That's why it's interesting on vet, uh, during you know, Veterans Day and Veterans Weekend that we happen to be talking about ministry. I did not plan it this way. It just happens to fall that way. Oh, God thing. And it, God wants us to be a family, but he also wants us to be an army of servants. He wants us to be devoted to ministry. And that's what I want to talk about this week and next week. I want to talk about this idea of ministry. Now, I've been, I, I dawned on me as I was putting together the last few touches on this lesson in the back. I've been involved in ministry for over 45 years. Man, that's a long time. Back then, my hair was dark. Now it's not so dark. Denise and I were looking at our engagement picture and our wedding pictures. And now, you know, well, I, boy, we were young and everything was working really well. It was just a great, great time. You know, but we, we, we've aged now. And, uh, and it dawned on me, 45 years. As soon as I came out of the baptistry, I was involved in ministry. Been involved in a full-time, part-time all the time ministry. That's what I was taught. And all what I want to do is I want to just talk a little bit about this. What are some myths about ministry? Because when we talk about ministry, there's a lot of confusion as to well, what is ministry about? And so I'd like to, in 45 years, I've learned there's at least five I know of. You could probably think of others. Let me, let's go through these this morning. Here's myth number one. Ministry is not for average Christians. What I mean by that, I don't know where it come from. I don't know if it came from uh, tradition, uh, the American church, but somewhere along the line, the idea of ministry for the professional, for the person with degrees, uh, a person on the payroll, we say things like this, you know, who's your minister? And we point out, well, our minister is so-and-so. When the truth is, if you're a member of the Lord's church, you're a minister. You could easily answer that question with, well, I'm one of the ministers. What? Remember a few years ago we talked about this. I had some people wanting to go to the jail. But they, the, the sheriff wouldn't let them in because they weren't ordained. So I had every member raise their right hand and mumble some stuff. I don't remember what it was. I said, you're all ordained now. So do you need a piece of paper? And this person needed a piece of paper. She goes down to the jail with a piece of paper that's signed by the eldership. She's ordained minister. They still wouldn't let her in because they didn't believe it. I mean, that's how much our culture and traditional views have just really shaped how we look at ministry. We think it's for the professional. We think it's for the, the person that has, oh, you went to seminary, or as some of my colleagues used to call it, cemetery. I don't know what if, that, what, if there's some connection there, but, but somehow that's what we have got this idea. It's for the experts. Yet the term minister is not just a title. It's more of a description, church. It's a description of, of, of serving. So when someone says, I'm going to minister to someone, 
it's not that I'm sending, I got to call Tim or one of the preachers. No, I, I'm going to serve them. How many people point, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. You need to go visit them. And I go, have you went to see them? Why should I go? Well, sometimes when the preacher comes by, the patient thinks maybe they're about to die. So you want to, why don't we send some others in before we send in the big guns, so to speak. But that, that's the thing. And when you look at the Bible, one of the things that really gets me excited is when you look at the Scriptures, you find that the Bible sees God's people as ministers. Look at this passage in Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, I know that there's leadership in the church. I'm not denying there's leadership in the church. It's spelled out here. But the ministers in the church go beyond the leadership of the church. It's to every one of us. And as you read the Bible from cover to cover, you notice most of the serving and most of the ministering that's going on in Scripture are from blue-collar people, just regular old Joes and Janes. No payroll, no degree. They were fishermen and farmers, housewives. They had common trades, tax collectors, soldiers, small business owners. They had no credentials. All they had was this, they were available and willing to serve. And they took that. Church, I want to tell you, you don't have to have a diploma to be a minister. You don't have to have a degree to be a minister. All you have to do is just be willing to be used by God. Just let God use you. I don't know where, where God needs to use me. Well, we're going to learn that next couple of weeks. Hopefully we can kind of introduce that idea. But that's the first myth. That's the first myth. It's not for, it's not for average Christians. No, it's for, really, it's for everybody. That's the truth. Okay, here's, here's the uh, second myth. Ministry is optional. I mean, it's kind of a, uh, what I mean by that, there's a flavor of this optional, even today in today's progressive churches, I want to call the churches that are really, I don't mean progressive and liberal, but, but that are really active, proactive. They have this volunteer, volunteer. We say it ourselves, volunteer. Am I right? Volunteer for this, volunteer to help here, volunteer to help us, because we want you to volunteer, of course. But there's this element, this volunteerish flavor of, well, it's optional. I, I can say no. And yeah, you can say no up to a particular assignment or something. But ministry in general is not optional. The Bible doesn't give us that. I've heard people say things like this. Well, I'm, I'll serve God and I'll really get involved in ministry when I'm more mature. I'm just too young in the faith to be doing this. Or when I get my kids raised or after college or when I retire. I've heard that so many times. I've heard that so many times in the last 45 years. When I retire, then I'm really going to give myself to church. I can count on one finger how many people. Well, I don't even have to use a finger. Nobody's ever ever after they've retired, gave themselves like they said they were going to while they were working. It just, it isn't that, it's just not been that way. And, and there's this flavor of, well, you know, uh, it's optional because if I don't do it, God will get somebody else to do it. Do you really think that's true? 
That's a myth. Why is it a myth, Tim? Well, let me give you several reasons. I think I got four. First, God expects me to minister. It's so important Jesus not only taught it, but he was an example. He showed it. Look at these passages. I did this after he washed the disciples' feet. He said, I did this as an example for you. So you should serve each other just as I've served you. I'm going to model this for you so you know this how important it is. It's also, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. He says that in just a few verses later. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. It's so important. I expect service to occur. I expect us to be serving. That I'll show it. I'll talk about it. I'll walk like that. Jesus lived this way. Here's a second reason it's a myth. God made me to minister. He created me. I exist to serve. Ephesians 1. I love it in the message, the way it says it. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. The good work He has gotten ready for us to do. Work we better be doing. I used to think, by the way, I used to think this. I used to think the Garden of Eden was like, you know, maintenance-free. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a, a day on the beach. You know, Adam's sitting there. A couple of monkeys are doing them big palm, ooh, you know, hee-hee. You know, and here comes here comes a butterfly and drops a grape maybe in his. Thank you, butterfly. I need you know, like he's got, like there's nothing to do. But when you read the scriptures, you find out Adam was put to work right off the bat. He says, "I want you to work and take care of the garden." Now, I'm not saying uh, that God was saying if you're leaning, you better be cleaning. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that. He was already, hadn't existed very long to where he was called to do some work in the Garden of Eden. It was to take care of it. He was created to be a servant. And you and I are created and made to do God's work. Here's a third reason why this myth that it's optional uh, is a uh, reason it's a myth. God saved me to serve. As you read about the Garden of Eden and you look at Adam, one of the things I have to admit I notice is sin took him out of work. Kind of like when you get sick, you can't show up for work. Sin took Adam and Eve out of the garden. So they couldn't work it anymore. So what's God do? He saves, He saves mankind so they can come back to work. Am I right about that? Does that make sense? That God does His work. Church, listen. God does His work in you and I so He can work through you and I. His greatest work, salvation of man, is so that I can get back to work and do His work. Second Timothy, look at this. Second Timothy 1.9 It is He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. Not because we deserve it, but because it was His plan. See, a lot of Christians... I got to admit, a lot of Christians today, they go, I love being saved, but they basically go on with their lives. Like they got this idea that, well, I, I want to be saved, and I'm glad I'm saved, and thank you, Lord, for doing your work, but they're not really interested in doing his work. Maybe it's their fear that keeps them from working. I'm afraid to try to do that. Or maybe it's a focus. I'm just so busy. I don't know about you, but I, here's what I notice more than ever. We're so busy, it's hard for us to carve out any time to do the Lord's work. 
We're going to talk about that in a little minute here. You see, church, listen. You and I, we were not saved to sit. We were not saved to sit back and watch. We're saved to serve. We're saved. We're not healed just to, to help ourselves. We're healed to help others. Look at what it says here in Galatians 5. My brothers and sisters, God chose you to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful selves. Instead, serve each other with love. I did a daily text one time, and that was the passage I used. A guy shot back, are you trying to tell me something? He happened to be a very selfish person. And I said, I sent this out to 300 other people. I wait. I see the three dots. Wait. Okay. <laughs> but it says there, we're called to be free. Not to, not to, not to, you know, God's freed me not to just eat everything and enjoy everything and and, and not contribute to this planet to do his work. He says, no, use it to serve each other. That's why it's a myth if you think it's serving is optional. Here's the fourth one. God matures me through ministry. Let me ask you, is maturity optional? Was my body made where it's an, like I can choose? Well, I don't know if I want to grow up. That's Peter Pan stuff, right? I mean, your body, I mean, like I say, I was looking at my, over the, I'm definitely different than I was 30, 40 years ago. My body is aged. It matures. It grows. God has designed it to be that way. What well, does He design my spiritual life to do to grow and mature? Absolutely. I wasn't born again to stay a baby either. And see, ministry is a major way God blesses us with maturity. Look what he says again, Jesus here in uh, John 13. He says this after he served his disciples. He says, I've given you the example to follow. Do as, I've, uh, as I have done to you. And look what he says here. You know these things. Now do them. That is the path to blessing. You know, ministry is the application of all the information we get from the Lord. Someone said it this way. Information without application leads to frustration. You frustrated? Maybe there's some application missing from all this information. Maturity doesn't mean I know a lot. Maturity is when I start putting some of it into practice. It's there I get to experience. Oh, now I understand why God says that. Deeper understanding. It puts legs on my faith. In fact, my faith is alive when it's put into action through ministry. It deepens my faith. It helps me see the big picture. It, it broadens my worldview. I realize, man, I'm, I matter. What I do matters. It identifies the mission field. And, if, and it's a secret. It's the secret to true fulfillment and joy. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And it's true when you, he lived that life. And when you live the life of ministry, live a life of service, you experience joy as well. There's no better way to mature. Here's myth number three. Ministry is church work. Originally, this point was ministry is churchy work. But I didn't think that sounded too silly. But that's what I remember hearing people say, oh, that's just churchy work. And a lot of people have this idea of ministry is, you know, within the four walls of the church building or 
for the weekends, not all week long, just on Sundays, or just at an event, or just in a class. I mean, you think about it. There is ministry going on today. Teaching, singing. There's People have come up here and clean. Now, you guys don't know, but somebody cleans up our mess. A couple of people come up here and clean up every week. Thank God. There's, there's folks outside welcoming people as they come in. We have events like Fall Fest or whatever, and we, or Bridge Cafe, and people come in and volunteer and help. There's, there's, we have volunteers that help with our teen ministry, our children's ministry. And by the way, I appreciate, I appreciate our teen ministry and our children's ministry because we have some, we have some great people working with our families right now. And I'm, I'm hoping, we're hoping we're going to get us a male teen uh, staff member here soon. Looking forward to seeing that happen. And we're working on that. But I just appreciate those guys in the back, you know, I say, guys, those, the families in the back, and some of you, some of you may be out here in the auditorium now because you're taking a break, a well-deserved break, by the way, but you're back there and they're covering some, some deep concepts of these kids. And some of you families know what I'm talking about. Their kids are coming home with questions. It's exciting. It's exciting to see our teenagers instead of scattered all over the place like the weapons of mass destruction. They're all right here. It's so cool to see this. You know, I, and, and, and by the way, and, and they act like they're interested. <laughs> Who would have thought? It's exciting. There's a buzz. And I am, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm happy about that. We need work within the walls. We need work within the, in the, in the, in the church work, okay? But I got news for you, church. It's all church work. It's God's work, even beyond the walls. I don't know where this idea, this excuse may be seated in this idea that I have a spiritual life and a secular life. But there's no such thing for a believer. For a disciple, everything is spiritual. Everything you do matters. This is a really strange myth that plays on, it really plays with our heads. Because there's times when we'll say, well, they've got plenty of help. I mean, they don't need any more singers. They don't need any more greeters. They don't need any more whatevers. Because it, it looks like it's all together, am I right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, they don't need me. They got that, those places are filled. Well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. You ask, ask Sue Cress if she needs more greeters. And she would say, absolutely. If you asked, uh, compassion in action, could you use some more help? What would you say? Absolutely. Well, you sound like Sue, copycats. I mean, it's true. It's, there's plenty of work to do, even in the walls of the building. But sometimes this will make, well, it's church work, and if they're all filled, I mean, why? Well, no, there's always lots more work, even within these walls. And this idea that there's a, there's a spiritual life and a secular life, sometimes this, this excuse can downplay what I'm doing in the workplace, what I'm doing in my neighborhood. I'm called to serve there too. Well, that's not church work. Is it church work that I'm working with my family? I tell you what, there's some families here. You think, well, I'm working on my family, so uh, I haven't got time to do God's work. What do you think working on your family is? Of 
course it is. This thing, this, this myth messes with us all the time. You see, there's work everywhere. It's all spiritual. It isn't restricted to a building. It isn't restricted to an event, a church event, or a particular time. Ministry describes a lifestyle that God calls us to. Jesus, again, I want to say it again. Jesus lived this way wherever he went. Yeah, I, I don't think Jesus had bulletins. He didn't have a worship team. He wasn't serving coffee in the back. He didn't have a kids ministry. Now let me run through those again. Jesus had a welcome ministry. Jesus had a coffee ministry. Jesus had a kids ministry. What kind of coffee do you serve, Tim? <laughs> I think it was uh, Folgers French Vanilla. No, I'm saying is he had men- these. He didn't have names on them. Didn't have a handbook. Didn't have a ministry fair. Wherever he went, and wherever his disciples went, he taught them: be a servant wherever you are. Think about what you're. What it, What do I need done here? See, the most exciting ministries at Greater Alton are outside these walls. They really are. What you're doing in your house, some of you parents have gotten so serious about the topics like apologetics. Thank God you're showing us, the rest of us, how grandma and grandpa, we got to get on stick too. I can't, I'm going to tell you, there's some families here that got so serious about apologetics that's made me serious about my grandchildren, how I can help them. And when you have compassion and action doing some stuff, and then I'm out here and I'm with, I see homeless people, I see people have needs, I don't sit back and go, I'll have them contact compassion and action. I want to say something here. Just think about this. Everybody's a part of the body of Christ, right? But there's too many of us, guys, there's too many of us, church, we want to be the hand and we want it to be shaped like that. Somebody needs to take care of that. Am I right? A hand is designed to do something, not just point. And if you're planning on pointing, I hope you're planning on giving a hand, the rest of your hand to the, to the work. Because it's everywhere. Look what Jesus says here in Luke 10. He said to them, there's a great many people to harvest, but there's only a few workers to harvest them. God owns the harvest. Pray to God that he'll send more workers to help gather his harvest. I want to add, I'd like to, I wish, wish Jesus would get it more clear and said, ask God to use you to pick up the harvest. What he's basically saying is in the kingdom of God, people need help. There's more work than workers. He says, ask God to bring those workers. Now, is it true that if I don't do my job, God will get somebody else? Possibly. But you were his first choice. He'd really like to use you. Look at this in Colossians 3. Paul said this way, Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever. I wonder what the Greek word is for whatever. Whatever? What do you mean by that? Whatever. Be done in the name of the Master. If it bears His name, it deserves my best. In the name of the Master, what's the Master want? I worship you, God. What do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? Thanking God the Father every step of the way. 
Words, actions, whatever. What's that include? Family? Does it include family? Workplace? Campus? Neighborhood? Community? Well, I'm, if I'm coaching a team, or if I'm flipping burgers, if I'm, if I'm helping, if I'm a helper somewhere, if I, I'm at a party, is, it, is that whatever means? Galatians 6, when we have the opportunity to do good to anyone, 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 what's anyone? Does that mean anywhere? I would think anyone are not all the same place. So anywhere, sure, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Notice there is work to do within the walls, but there's work to do outside of the walls. See, there's plenty of opportunities to do God's work. So this idea that ministry is church work, maybe we just ought to see that everything around us is God's work. Not just Greater Alton, but the greater Alton area, the world. Here's myth number four. My service doesn't matter. And this may be more of an excuse than a myth. (laughs) I'm not so sure. I don't know how you are, but sometimes we just downplay our role. I downplay my role sometimes, and I get careless with my words. But but we downplay ourselves. Oh, I don't matter. You know, uh, my part, my part doesn't matter. And I want to tell you this morning, Every one of you here, your part matters. It matters big time. Look what the Bible says here in Ephesians 4. The whole body depends on Christ and all the parts of the body are joined and held together. Each part of the body does its own work. And this makes the whole body grow and be strong with love. He says every part matters. Every part of, the, of God's family, every part of God's body matters. That what, what they do, what you and I do, has an impact on the health and strength of this church. Whether visible or invisible, all my parts, I'm glad they're working. There's parts I've never seen. You know what I'm saying? There's parts of your body you've never seen. But aren't you glad they're working? Because they'll get your attention when they not when they're not working. And so it's it's whether I'm in front or or in the light or I'm behind the scenes, all of this matters. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's about twenty people that help me get to here every Sunday. I got you the, the magic fingers of the PowerPoint people. Show them what you can do with PowerPoint real quick. Go up around and do, do, do some scrolling. Look at that. Look at that. He can control the lesson. He told me what I had one guy say to me, I thought you were going too slow, so I thought maybe I would just encourage you a little bit. Speed up. Well, we had some prayer over that. I mean, there's people, there are people, we, we have people that sing. And you say, well, they're singing. Well, what's that got to do with the sermon? Well, if they sing something drippy, you know, everybody dies, everybody dies. I don't want that song before the sermon. I hope they pick a good one. Get us all ready to hear the Word of God. Walk in, and there's people pouring coffee, and how you doing? And walking to Greater Alton, and there's a buzz. Don Yoder and I are sitting at the back table, 
I love to pick on Don, but I'm not picking on him today. We're sitting at the back table, and I go, Don, look at this. For a real rinky-dink church that everybody thinks is the end of them and they're not going anywhere, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Because there's a buzz going around. People are talking and gabbing and laughing. Don't they know they're at church? They're supposed to keep it down. People are welcoming each other. Who prints some bulletins? I'll tell you what. All of us noticed last week. Am I right? Where's the bulletin? Why didn't somebody do the bulletin? I don't think I have a whole bulletin. Had one of the officers. Oh, I forgot to do the bulletin. I said, that's okay. We're having a potluck and a public flogging after church. <laughs> really? Yeah. And you're the guest. No, I mean, there's all this stuff. Just to get me here. Just to get me to where I can talk to you or Gary or Alan or anybody. There's all these people. We got people on the internet. We got people doing websites. We got people trying to record it. Trying to people trying to post it. So that if in case you want to hear it again, or a buddy wants to hear it, or somebody's not here, and all you see is this, and they determine whether this, le- in a lot of ways, I tell them, I go, you guys are just important. Oh, I work preparing all week, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you know, a lot of times, I've said this to them many times, you've made me look really good. Like I know what I'm talking about. At the church, all of us here have an impact on how strong and how resourceful we are. It breaks my heart that we can't take care of everybody's needs. But we have to, we have to come clean and be honest here. We don't have some resources sometimes, or we're shorthanded sometimes, until everybody starts doing their work. Those that are, have too much. You know, if all of us would pitch in, the load would be lighter for everyone. So it's that mentality I th- that, that we want to lift. I want you to know, I'm going to lift this up at Greater Alton over and over again. Everybody matters and your service matters because you ultimately determine the strength and growth of this church. That's what that verse says. So God wants you to serve. He expects you to serve. And it matters if you serve to Him. It matters to him. If it doesn't matter to anybody else, so what? It matters to him. And he looks for it, and most of all, he rewards it. Look at this passage. God is fair, and he will remember. A lot of people forget what you've done. They forget how much work you did in the team ministry. They forget how much work you did in the campus ministry. They forget how much work you did in the kids ministry. Because somebody new comes along. Oh, they're all excited about them. And you know, you're you're chopped liver now. Oh, oh, look how clean the building. Why didn't you talk about how clean the building was when I was working it? What I think, what others think, we forget. We're human beings. We forget. I'm sorry you get forgotten. I know we all, we've all been forgotten. There's t- people wrote me off too. I understand. We all get forgotten. But can I tell you something? God never forgot it. Who you did it for, who you really did it for, never forgets. He says he remembers. I'm thankful. I love this passage. God is fair. He'll remember all the work you have done. All those events. All those hot dogs you passed out. All those times you had to clean up after a mess and some kid spilled the cocoa or the coffee or the, okay, maybe the older kids. Co- okay, adults. Coffee. Vomit. Dirty diapers. Too much information. He remembers all that. 
You coming up here and cleaning afterwards. You coming up here and, and fixing something. Fixing a hole in the side of the wall because some kid got through through it like it was the WWF or something. He, he sees it. Nobody even noticed it anymore. He remembers it. He will remember that you showed your love to Him. While I was doing this love, I was showing my love to people. You were showing your love to the Lord. It matters. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus said, right? Let me tell you, if you love him, you'll serve him. And he knows that. He remembers that. That showed your love to him by helping his people. And, and notice this, and that you continue to help them. Let me ask you, in the memory bank of our creator, of your creator, can he remember you're still serving? That you're still serving, or have you quit? I'll tell you, some of us in here, we've gotten beat up pretty bad. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I know that. Some of us here have been hurt. We've been burned. We go, I'm not getting involved in this anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not doing, lifting a finger anymore around here because I wasn't appreciated. Man, if I, was, if I was to do that, I'd been gone years ago too. But you're still here. What's going on? Why not give God more memories of service? Because that's who we're doing it for. The one, the one that sees it, it matters. The one who sees the lack of it, it matters to Him too. You're not here to impress me. You're not even here to impress somebody else in the seats. It's the audience of one. What you do, listen church, somebody needs to hear this. I don't know who. What you do now, what you're doing now really matters. What you decide to do even matters. No one else may see it, but the Lord will. Here's the fifth myth. I'm not gifted for ministry. You know, I can't sing. I've been around, by the way, some of you say I can't sing, and it's true. You can't, you can't sing. Bless your hearts. Bible says, make a joyful noise of the Lord, and that's borderline. I don't even know if it's joyful. I'm with Richard Harders one time, and we're singing out, and he goes, I sing awful. And I go, well, um, you sure can, you sure can do other stuff cool. I know not everybody's a singer. I can't sing. I'm not giving it. So, well, then you don't need to be on the worship team. I get it. You know, I can't talk very well. Well, there's a lot of people in the Bible have made that excuse. I, I can't, I, I, I'm not a very warm, friendly person. I don't know if that's a matter of giftedness as a matter of repentance. I'm not sure which, where that falls, okay? Yeah, I do. I think it falls under repentance. We can be kind. There's no place for me because I'm not gifted in this area and that area. And, that. and we just see four or five places and we go, where we, we're down deep inside, we'd like to serve there. But we don't think we have the gift. Someone says, well, you, I remember one time I said this. I said, nobody has the gift for cleaning toilets. And Lois come up to me, I have the gift for cleaning toilets, Tim. I go, what? You said that you've never heard anybody say that. Well, I'm going to shut you up. I have the gift for cleaning toilets. 
I go, dang, you just messed up my illustration. And she cleaned around here and cleaned around here for years. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has believed they haven't been gifted for centuries. This is not a new concept, not a new myth. It's always been around. 1 Corinthians 12, look at this passage up here on the screen. It's not in your notes, it's too long. This is the message. I love the way the message paraphrases it. It says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but smaller parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where He wanted it. I'm so concerned about where I want to serve. God's got, how about where I want you to serve? I've made you and gifted you and gave you skills that's perfect for this particular way of serving in, 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 in ministry. Verse 27, look at it, it says here, you're a Christ's body and that's who you are. You must never forget this. Church, we should never forget we're the body of Christ. I say that's a simple point, Tim. That's a little hanging fruit. No, I think it's a deep concept that we all really need to get our hands on here. We're the body of Christ. There's no other group that's the body of Christ on the planet. There's only this body that's mine. And Christ's body is this. I need to remember, it's a body of different parts. That's who you are. Look at this. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. If you think you're insignificant, you're disagreeing with the Scriptures. If you think you don't matter, i got to tell you, you're disagreeing with the Word of God. If you think you're insignificant, maybe you say, well, I feel I've gotten that from other people. i got news for you. You probably were saying it to yourself long before anybody else said it. The real source of who you are is what God says you are. This year at church camp, we're doing true identity is the theme this year. Because of the confusion of all this identity politics, a lot of people, not just children, adults, we're confused not just with our sexual orientation, but what are we here for? What is my role? And we're going to spend a week looking at this. What does God say? I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you say I am. I'm only who God says I am. And we're going to be tearing that apart this year. This, by the way, you're the first to know this. This was decided Thursday night. I don't know if anybody's talking about this, but be praying about this, that we're able to, to somehow channel into the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit and help children have the skills and the tools to figure out who they really are, what God made them to be. And while you're at it, think about what has God made me to be? He's created me to be a servant. And I need to accept my part. Because see, everybody 
You say, I'm not gifted. Everybody has at least one gift. Coral, I, I told Coral a little bit before church. I said, I'd like to talk to you after church about this. I want to ask her if she could share a little bit of her ladies retreat lesson about from the gifted thing. I'm, I just thought I'd let, let her know now. And, and, but, but well, that's what we were going to that's what we were going to talk about. OK, but I, I mean, you know, just I thought let her let her tell us. Well, here's how I've discovered my gifts. Because everybody has at least one. Look at the Bible says here in First Peter 4 as we close. God has given each of you a gift. Why don't you circle that? From his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well. Could you circle use them well? Use them well to serve one another. You have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Does that mean preaching? Yeah. Does that mean just having a conversation? Yeah. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, there's a broad one. What do you mean, Lord? What do you do? You think you have the gift of helping other people? What does that mean? It's so broad. Well, there must be a lot of ways to help people. You think you are gifted there? You think you have a passion there? You think something? There's something inside you when you see certain things. Certain things on TV bother you more than others. Certain things in the news bother you more than others. You want to do something about it? Ah, God must be trying to speak to me here. Telling me what He wants me to be and wants me to do. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. All glory and power to Him forever. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and ever. Amen. See, everybody has a gift. The question I want to ask is, are you using it? Are you really using it? Has it gotten rusty? Are you using it in the kingdom of God? Or are you just using it on yourself? I, I, I'm, I have a great creative mind and I have a, a great lots of ideas, but I'm just using them in the business area. Or am I going to use them in the kingdom, my imagination, my creative factory? And is it bringing glory to God? I read this uh, as I was preparing this lesson. I just want to read it to you because I'll mess it up any other way. It is interesting, this guy says, it is interesting to me how so many people are prone to blame the immaturity and, and dysfunction of the church and all kinds of stuff, but we forget that the church will never be what it's designed to be until every member does what it was designed to do. I have something in my hand, and I'm not nimble enough anymore. There it is. About the size of a pencil eraser. Like 62 cents. What is that? Well, without this, the dashboard of a Prius will not light up. And if you ever try to drive a car at night with the dashboard lights out, it ain't fun. And I had to take the dash off and, and uh, all the stuff apart to get to this one little resistor. And when I soldered it in place, the lights came on the dash. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this little thing made driving difficult. The, its lack of, it, of, it, of its contribution. Just something small like this. A small contribution to the whole. And the whole dashboard's gone. You know, new dashboards cost about, well, the whole lighting system, about 800 bucks. I fixed it for 62 cents. 
we can have all the fancy stuff we want around here. We can have PowerPoint and good music, and we can have all kinds of cool stuff and offer some things, but if there's not, if there's not some help with it, it will not function, and the rest of the church is going to suffer. So if you think you're not that important, well, you might want to think about that again. Because even the smallest contribution makes a big impact in some cases. You see, ministry is for everyone. Ministry is for you. Your ministry, listen, ministry is expected. It's not optional. You're made and saved to serve everywhere. Your ministry is more than Sundays. It's all week. And your ministry matters. Here's, listen, I know it matters. Are you idle? Your idleness betrays you. If you're saying, I think all ministry matters, are you active? Are you busy? Are you serving? Our health here at Greater Alton, our health and our strength rely on it. And he's given, he's given you a gift to use. And I want to say this as we close, church. I need it. I need you to serve. As a part of the rest of the body of Christ, I need that. We need you to serve. The world needs you to serve. But most of all, God wants you to serve. He needs you to serve. He made you to be a minister. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for serving us. Thank you for sending the greatest servant of all, your son Jesus, who not only washed our feet, but washed all of our sins away. What an awesome, awesome God you are. Forget yourself. You forget yourself. You didn't see heaven just as the four walls of heaven as a place to serve, but you saw the world and you served there too. And what a job. Oh God, you call us to the same mindset. Father, I think about right now, I know some of us here this morning, sin has taken us out of the garden, out of the garden work. It's taken us out of, the, of your workplace. And Father, we, we just ask, I just, we all ask you, Father, for your forgiveness. To see, to see that you saved us, you dealt with that so we could go back to work. And Father, that whatever sin is taking us out now, that you're willing and ready to forgive that. Just, if we'll just admit it, turn from it, and call on you, Father. But also knowing that when we do that, you want us to get back to work. Father, I just pray everyone here can see. I know there's been so, lots of water under the bridge for some of us here. Some of the greatest servants I've ever met, ever known, are still in this room. Father, I just pray that they, they know that I have hurt them. I have hurt them. I don't like that. But Father, I need them. Father, some of us here can say the same thing. We've hurt a servant in this church.
and somehow have convinced he or she that uh, what they do don't matter anymore. And Father, it's not to use them. I'm not concerned about that, Father. I don't don't want to use anyone. None of us want to use each other. But I know, Father, you want to use them. Would you, Father, break open their heart, go through their pain, their disappointment, to their truest servant nature that's in there, that it can come out. Help us discover where we're gifted. Help us find a place. Help us find where we need to serve and just get in there and do it all for you, for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. To know you as my Father, to know you as my King, to know Oh